Vidar and Catherine Ligard are the founders of safarimission.org. Vidar Ligard is also the author of A Fork in the Road, a book that gives you life lessons you were not taught in school and that the church did not tell you. And that is what Safari Mission Podcast is all about, teaching practical steps to personal growth and development. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Vidar and Catherine Ligard. talk about poverty and especially how to kick the dependency syndrome. You know, everyone talks about how do we eradicate poverty and um, just seems to be the thing today. But even Jesus mentioned the poor will always be with you. And so why is that? It's because it's a mentality. It's because in order to get out of poverty, you have to put forth effort and not everyone's willing to put forth effort. And so, you know, it's hard to be poor, but it's also hard to change. And so sometimes you have to choose your heart. And I guess that's a little bit of what we're gonna talk about today. So. Well, you know, scripture talks about what true Christianity is. And James says it like this, that religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, to keep oneself unstained from the world. Helping the poor, helping orphans, helping widows is definitely part of what we do with the gospel. Even when Paul was going to Jerusalem to check up on what he was doing, uh, James told him, make sure you remember the poor, the very thing I was very eager to do, Paul says in Galatians. So the question is not whether we should help the poor or not. The question is, how should we help the poor? Mm -hmm. And how is that best done? Well, the scripture thankfully has answers for that as well. So the Thessalonian church was a very poor church. They had all kinds of persecution issues, all kinds of poverty issues. And so Paul writes to them. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, he gives us some great instructions for how to get out of poverty. And he says it like this, that now we command you, brothers, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you. If you remember, Paul was a tent maker, he was not idle. He produced tents, produced an income for himself in order to give the church an example. He continues saying, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. So here clearly it is unscriptural to be eating bread without paying for it. We have a lot of poor people that is that are wishing somebody would give them bread. And that is something that all of us we have to deal with because it's, it's very comfortable to think about somebody else providing for us. Could be parents, could be an NGO, could be, you know, I wish my employer would do more for me. I wish the government would, would, would do more for me. And we can go on and on and on. But here the scripture says we did not eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor, we worked night and day. Mm -hmm. That we might not be a burden to any of you. And so maturity is realizing I'm not supposed to be a burden to anybody. It was not because we don't have that right. 
to receive an offering, but to give you and our, ourselves an example to imitate, Paul and company made tents. Even when we were with you, we would give you this not suggestion, not good idea, but command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, so um, you wrote this book, A Fork in the Road. Yes, I did. <laughs> and it says, choose poverty or prosperity. Choose. Choose, exactly. It's choose. a choice. It is a choice. And, um, and you know, it's if you look in it, it's not just about money. It's about how you think. It's about how you conduct your everyday life, right? And so we're kind of talking about Chapter 4 today, which is Kick the Dependency Syndrome. And here you say... The poor will not work on producing anything of value, yet they keep on seeking and searching for money. They are looking for someone to, to provide for them without doing anything to earn the value they desire. And so I think that one of the big points is you can't just look for money. You got to look for opportunities to add value to society. Because if you add value to society, people will give money for that because you're giving something someone else wants or needs, right? That's how the economy works. You, you have to provide solutions. And you can't be in the mentality of, well, I've got a problem. I wish somebody else would fix the problem for me. Well, that's what poverty is. It's a mindset that produces a lack of money. And the mindset is this, I want somebody else to fix my problems. Mm -hmm. Well, no, if there is a lack of bread, you don't run around looking for bread. You look for a way to make a tent. Right. In other words, you look for an opportunity to do something that is productive that the rest of the society will value. And when you provide an answer to somebody else's need, money is exchanged as a result of that, and you won't have a money problem. But that means I have to work, right? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I forgot about that. <laughs> yes, that, that's how it works. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busybodies. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've spent years and years traveling in areas where people are sitting. You, you can go to the south in the United States and you can see people sitting on porches. Mm -hmm. They're not productive, mm -hmm. and they're hoping somebody will give them money, whether it's the government or somebody. We see it in Africa. We see it in America. We see it in Europe. You, you see these issues, and, and the root cause is the same. It's idleness, not busy at work, but busybodies. Now, Paul says about now such people we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ mm -hmm. to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't really matter what situation we grow up in. You know, life is not necessarily fair. Some, some are born into a rich household or a rich country. Some are born into a poor household or a poor country. Mm -hmm. Well, you, you can't just, yes, we're a product of our upbringing, but if you just blame the upbringing, then you're not looking for solutions. You will just be playing the blame game mm -hmm. and stay where we are for the rest of our life. Yes, you're not looking for solutions. You're just repeating, the, restating really the problem, which we'll know there's a problem, but what's the solution, right? And wouldn't you say that even when you look at different income levels, 
Wouldn't you say that people who have a higher income level a lot of time put in more effort? Maybe they go again in education, which takes more effort. Maybe they take more risks, which are rewarded again. You can fail and you can make it really well. Yeah, and I would say it like this. You know, you, you don't ask uh, how, many, how many dollars do I earn per hour. A lot of people ask that question or how many shillings or whatever coin you want to use do I earn per hour, ask what value do I bring to the hour that I do something productive. Mm -hmm. So if, if you don't like the coin size that you get for the hour that you've been productive, then ask what value did I bring to that hour? Exactly. And that's, you know, in, in your book you say, how much do you earn every month? What, how... How, how do you define that? There, you have a way of defining that. Yeah, it, it's pretty simple. Uh, the earnings that every one of us had last month is very roughly equivalent to the economic value of whatever we did in production last month. So produce more value and the coin at the end of the month will be a bigger coin. So you know, if you, if you over-deliver consistently, eventually somebody will pay you more. If you say, well, my client can't pay more. Well, if you provide something that's of higher value consistently every month, I can guarantee you, given enough time, some other client will find you and they will pay you more. That's how you get a pay raise if you're employment. Mm -hmm. That's how you get a pay raise if, if you're in business. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's consistently working on myself. Right. How can I do something that is more valuable? And so, you know, this is also, I'm going to read from your book, uh, same chapter, become a resource. Most everyone walking the planet today wishes they had a higher income, more influence, or the ability to live a little more comfortably. This is true of the rich and poor alike. Those who believe the circumstances are the problem will often get involved in trying to change the externals. They may join political lobbies or unions to try to change laws or collectively try to negotiate a better salary from the employer. Working on changing the externals is usually a long road that results in changes that are too small. Unions typically negotiate small pay increases but don't propel their members to new standards of living. And that is a really good point. Have you ever seen a union worker being propelled into a new standard of living by the unions they're part of? I have not seen that. There might be small incremental raises, but you're not changing someone's lives. No, it's, it's you know, finding a way of getting to the next level, so to speak. If you want to earn more, then bring a whole lot more to what we're doing. So let's say we're a school teacher and every year the union is adding 3% or 5% or whatever they're adding, you know, basically trying to match inflation and hopefully we can outpace, outpace it by, by a percentage or two. Well, as a teacher, what if we develop a better way of teaching our students if, if we if we come with solutions that really really improve the output of what students are learning in the classroom well maybe the current school won't figure out that you're really worth a whole lot more but if over time you keep on enhancing yourself and developing yourself 
you can come up with a new way of doing education mm -hmm. that produces a better outcome when people graduate from school. There's a lot of economic value in that. And it's a much better way of, than this collective bargaining power to, well, it's a great way of holding the best ones back, is what the Exactly, unions are. because they kind of put a lid on you. Because in unions, uh, you know, there's a certain level they take you to, and you can't go beyond that. It's like you have a lid. Why would you want to have a lid? Why wouldn't you just go out there and find a better place that pays a lot more? You know, but it did that, you know, we're back to taking risks because a lot of people. They found something and they don't want to risk losing it. They have a job, they don't want to risk losing their job. But those who take that risk and go out and look for something even better, a lot of times, if they are able to add more value to the new place, they can find a much better place. But you know, sometimes it takes risk or you can say a leap of faith, you know, because um, you don't have a guarantee anymore. Yeah. But sometimes that's what it takes to go to the next level. I want to go back to the scripture. Uh, we said beginningly that, yeah, we should help the poor. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul gives some other instructions for how to help poor. And it says, honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and make some return to their parents. For this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow of God widow left all alone has set her hope on God and continues in supplication prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well so that they may be without reproach. And so basically Paul here is saying be selective in who you actually help when you're helping the poor. And it says if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. He continues, let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age. Mm -hmm. So in New Testament times, helping the poor, uh, if you're below 60, sorry, you better get to work. <laughs> and so not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband, having a reputation for good works, if she's brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feast of the saint, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work. He's basically saying, yeah, if you're going to help widows, that's great. Make sure they're of age and make sure that they have a reputation of good work ethics before you start helping such people in the way of setting up a, a, a handouts type of a program. Yeah, there seems to be a really fine line to draw between helping and enabling dependency. <clears throat> you know, you can help when there really is a, help, a need, need that's really authentic and people can't help themselves or do anything about their situation, but you can easily also enable people to keep being dependent on you you know, if you start helping with basic needs and you never teach them how to obtain these basic needs for your, for themselves. And, you know, that's where we find a lot of um, aid organizations and a lot of things. They do handouts, but there's no teaching and how can they become free of that dependency so that they themselves can go out there and produce something of value and start making their own income 
and, and, you know, prosper based on what they can produce in society. And sometimes you even wonder if some of these organizations want them to become dependent because they have no effort whatsoever to do anything but just handing out new things. Yeah, unfortunately, aid organizations, some of them, they get their, they get their own financing by, by uh, racking up numbers of how many people, poor people that we're, that we're touching. It's, it's amazing how that industry works. But anyways, in, in, in scripture, if you look at Proverbs, it says, whoever brings blessing will be enriched. Mm -hmm. And Poverty mindset is one that is always looking for somebody else to be a blessing to me. Right. And prosperity mindset is always me looking for a way to be a blessing to somebody else. Now, I know in the prosperity gospel, you know, we talk about, you know, putting money in the offering bucket. And, and there's a part for that, that, that. That's fine. But money in the offering bucket alone uh, doesn't bring us out of poverty. There has to be production with our own hands and the way we do that is we use our own hands we use our own capacity we use our own mental faculties and all of this to find ways to bring blessings to other people and i have never in my life seen a person with the mindset of always finding a way of helping other people always finding a way of being a blessing to other people i've never seen a such person before right so that's the mindset shift that you have to start with. Instead mm -hmm. of every day wondering, where's my money gonna come from? Every day wake up and wonder, how can I water somebody else? How can I be a blessing to somebody else? And that's not just taking somebody else and giving them money, but that is, what issues are other people having? Maybe you don't have a job. Well, do you have a neighbor who's farming right now? Find somebody who's doing something and then find a way of helping them. Maybe you won't be paid the first day. Mm -hmm. Do it for free. Go just to be a blessing. If you will consistently do that over time, that person will pay you or somebody else will see you and they will offer you a job. Yes. And, and you know, there is, of course, the, the law of sowing of reaping. You know, you become a blessing, you will reap blessings. But, you know, if you can just put your hands to something and start create, creating something of value, then people are willing to pay for that, you know, whether it's a service or it's a product or whatever it might be. If there's something that people need, you found a way to make something. I reminded of uh, Pastor Justice Koloka. He's in the Vipingo uh, mm -hmm. here in Kenya. And he taught this principle, whoever brings blessing will be enriched and spent time teaching his church members. When he started his church, everybody there was, was unemployed. There wasn't really much money in the church. There, the people, <laughs> it was a place of poverty, that's very for sure. Poor, very poor. But in teaching the people, after, after some time, and it doesn't always happen instantly, this mindset transformation, but mm -hmm. in being consistent with this teaching, mm -hmm. people started to look for ways of being a blessing. Mm -hmm. And over time, the pastor said that, I've got a problem today, because when I need volunteers to help in the church, I can't find anybody because everybody is busy with employment. They've started businesses. Everybody is doing something. And that's what happens when you, when you shift the mindset of what can I do to be a bigger blessing to other people than what I've been so far. Mm -hmm. And if you'll do that consistently over time and increase the value of the output, mm -hmm. then the value of the input will also go up. Yeah. And, you know, some, for some, some people, they think it's an overnight thing 
but it isn't. It takes sometimes time and you need to prove yourself over time and, and you know, don't give up because sometimes it can seem tough. It can seem hard, but you also got to give it enough time to prove yourself that you are consistent yourself because if you are delivering a product or a service to someone else, they also need to see that you can consistently, consistently deliver that so that you are trustworthy and you honor your word and you know people can depend on you when they need you and so there's of course many factors in in that goes into this but the first thing is just to realize that i need to become productive i need to go out there and look for a job you know if you're sitting at home and you have no money and you have no income you need to be looking for a job you don't have to go ask people for money you need to be out there looking for an opportunity. And if you're not doing that, why should somebody come and give you money for free? That's my question. You got to go out there and do something. You know, that's the first step. If you're a believer, you, you pray God lead you to the right person. But, you know, just go out there and, 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 you know, try again and again and again and just don't give up at all. But you know, so many people just wanna they just wanna sit at home and, and money falling into their laps. And that never happens. I've never seen anyone do that. All the people I personally know that have enough money, that have a good life, you know, they all work and they work very hard. They work harder than most people. And people who are not willing to work that hard usually have less. That just seems to go. Yeah, I mean, you know, there might be people that are praying. There might be people that are fasting occasionally. Mm -hmm. But I've never seen the money come by praying and fasting. Right. It came by production. Comes so, by opportunities. And sometimes yeah. it's disguised as hard work. <laughs> so take the dependency syndrome. Kick it to the curb. Start thinking about how to add value to somebody. And you'll be going up as well. Yes. Well, that's it for today. Watch out for our next episode with teachings from Vidar and Catherine Ligard. Like, share, and subscribe to our Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube pages at Safari Mission. You can also visit our website www.safarimission.org or call us at plus 254-741-777-805 to know more about Safari Mission and how you can get yourself a copy of Vidar Ligard's book, A Fork in the Road.